BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, Nightingale's top cat, Toby Cudworth, and 90 Min writer, editor, and the Spurs man, Sean Walsh. It is a very, very bumper edition of the show today. Lots going on, lots of players potentially moving clubs, some big names as well. England internationals, Harry Kane, Declan Rice, potentially James Madison. Whatever will we talk about today? There's an absolute mound of it. So stay with us. Sean, how are you doing? Yeah, good. You know, just before we start recording, we got the news that Harry Kane is subject to a bit from Bayern Munich, which kind of took us off guard. We didn't actually think that that was going to happen, but yeah, apart from that, all good. We'll talk about that in a second. Toby, I haven't spoke to you properly since, even since West Ham won the Europa Conference League, even, because I've been away. Yeah, we haven't been on the same pod, have we, to celebrate our victory. Um, but things have moved on since then. That's a distant memory. All we're talking about now is is Deck and uh, where he will be going. And uh, we're going to talk about that in plenty of detail, aren't we? We will indeed. Probably an hour for you today to get in your ears. Graham Bailey will be talking for a lot of it as well. How's it going? Yeah, not bad. Busy, busy. Yeah, even as we speak from, from late last night to early this morning, non-stop. Graham is trying to talk and type and message at the same time. Uh, but we will do our best to bring you all of the latest around the transfer world. Uh, we might even go twice a week at some point soon. The busyness of the window might dictate that we do, but we'll keep you in touch and updated on when we do. Please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at Toby underscore Cudworth, at Graham Bailey and at Sean DZ Walsh, the Danger Zone is back. Toby, I'm really disappointed you there didn't it is. mention that there last week. We will have a new section of the show today. Stay with us regarding Danger Zone. Nightyman.com uh, forward slash talking transfers for all the latest information from us. Nightyman underscore football on all the socials. Get in touch and 90min.com in general for everything that we do uh, to hear from all the guys on the pod plus the rest of the team. So please visit the site please visit nightingale.com forward slash talking transfers and please listen to the entire show for every episode that we do. Let's start with Harry Kane. Bayern have made a 70 million euro plus add-ons offer for Harry Kane. As Sean mentioned just a second ago, that <laughs> it's a little bit low. Let's just say that. Uh, who wants to take this one, Sean or Graham? Um, I'll just say that, yeah, there's no, no inclination this will be accepted. 
the Bayern are getting from somewhere that can quite fancy this move, hence interest. And we, we've reported Bayern's interest in Harry Kane for a long time on the pod. You know, we've always said, um, we've always said it. I've always thought it would be a nice move for him. There's no indication from Kane's camp that he does want to move to Bayern at this stage. Real Madrid are keeping a close eye on the situation, but there's no fee here. There's no, I'm not putting anyone else down, but the, there is no fee for Daniel Levy saying someone getting close to the fee what he wants. There is no fee. He's not taking calls. He he really does think that Ange Postacoglu, as Sean does, they are everyone at Spurs loves Ange, loves Ange. They think he's going to persuade him to stay. And if you think that, he's going to start the season. Harry Kane, unless Real Madrid, for me, unless Real Madrid come in with a huge offer to tempt him, he's going nowhere. But yeah, it's fascinating that Bayern have come in now at this stage. Um to try and tempt Tottenham, but it's a woefully low offer. <laughs> I doesn't wouldn't even te- wouldn't even tempt Daniel Levy. Well, it's, Sixty million pound is woefully low. Question for Sean then. So it is a low offer. Obviously, it's not going to get it done. But is this obviously? It's, is it negotiation tactic? Could this potentially force Harry Kane's camp to make a little bit of noise? Do we feel like that is a thing that could happen? Does this mean that Bayern come back with a second bid that is greater than this after it inevitably gets rejected? That could mean that somebody else... I'm sorry if you hear the phone going off, by the way, that's Graham taking a call. Uh, but Sean. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Um, well, we, we all thought, we said it in our chat this morning, the feeling we had was Kane's not going to go. And I still think that is the case. I still think that Tottenham, at the end of the transfer window, believe that Kane will be a Tottenham player and they'll try and you know, kick the contract can as far down the road as they can and try and get that sorted later. Um, but I think it is interesting that Bayern have actually firmed up their interest because there's been a lot of, you know, they've been linked with quite a few big players this summer, you know, Rice and Mount and Ossiman, but they never really, it felt a bit like pandering. It felt a bit like, oh yeah, yeah, we're actually, we're, we do want these big guys. We're just kind of waiting for them to actually make a bid for Kane. I think is quite interesting. Like that kind of, it ties into what, as Graham said, we've been saying all year, that Bayern have been looking, asking. Bayern would not be pursuing Kane if they didn't think that he would be interested in a move. So I think that's quite an interesting part of this, that they have actually gone in with an actual bid. Any updates from the phone, Graham, or something unrelated? Uh, semi-related. Um, yeah, a lot of people are perceiving this to maybe a tatted. Would this be to get, um, to get Real Madrid? Out, you know, Real Madrid looking for a number nine in the market for it. I, I don't dispute that. Um, I haven't managed to get all of my Real Madrid contacts since the big came in, but I will be speaking to them at some point today. Interesting, I'd keep an eye on Real Madrid with Kane. You know, it's it really does feel like the one. Um, if it could be done, they might be the ones to do it. So, yeah, it's fascinating. But I say we we spoke to before on the show. I didn't want. Sorry, pardon me. I didn't hear what Sean said. But it's the agitating. We we need to see if Kane agitates for this. You know, I think in his mind, he knows he's got a chance to move on that free transfer next summer. You know, you've got two massive players here, like Mbappe and Kane, and Mbappe we'll talk about later, who their future's in their hands. If they want to move this summer, it is in their hands now. They need to agitate for this. And it'll be interesting to see what comes out from the Kane camp, especially in this week, to see where we are. If we hear more from the Kane camp, then he's obviously had his head turned. Anything to add there, Toby? I think I've said all along, I don't see Bayern Munich paying the kind of money that Tottenham want for Harry Kane. It's very similar to the Declan Rice situation. At least 100 million is needed. Daniel Levy won't entertain a conversation for anything less than that. And I just don't see Bayern spending that amount of money. They've not done it before. Lucas Hernandez is their record signing for 80 million euros. Even that was uncharacteristic for them. They've been looking at Randall Kolomouani. They're not really too interested in what Frankfurt want for him. Kai Havertz was another leading target for them, but they've kind of balked at what Arsenal are willing to offer him in terms of wages and the fee for that. So I don't know, is this bid lip service? Maybe a little bit, but Spurs aren't going to accept it. I think that's pretty clear. Uh, so Bayern either need to up their game or or just move on to somebody else. Um, who that person is, I don't know. But we said earlier, didn't we, Sean, that from Bayern's perspective, how are they going to be able to sell getting rid of Robert Lewandowski for 40 million to Barcelona to then spend almost double that to bring in Harry Kane? It's not it's very good. more than that. Yeah, mm-hmm. at least. So it's mm. not great PR for the club for them to do that. 
they could have easily just kept hold of Lewandowski for another year. Yeah, and they have been scarred by you know the big transfer of Mane last summer. He's went in and he was expected to be a roaring success, and he just really hasn't been for on-field reasons, for off-field reasons. So I think there's a bit of um, not fear, but worry, anxiety that spending this much on Kane, who turns thirty soon, that could be a bad sign for Bayern. A question in general, because I want to transition to iron in the fire, Declan Rice, in a second. But obviously Thomas Tuchel's in there. He's now playing more of a like lead role in what Bayern do, given all the upheaval above him. Are they getting burned in a way? Like, they're going for a lot of targets. Kai Havertz, you can add Harry Kane to this now. Declan Rice, who we're going to talk about in a second. Like... Obviously, they're trying to... It seems like they're trying to buy English players. Mason Mount, even. We'll talk about him later. It seems like they're trying to buy English players because Tuchel knows the league, knows the players, knows the quality of them. And they're just not really coming close. I think Bayern's an interesting one. There's a bit of upheaval going on there. It looks like um, Hernandez will be on his way to PSG. Looks like they've got Kim over the line. Will it go back for Cancelo if they lose Pavard? A lot going on at Bayern. I think... Quietly, it's a bit of a mini revolution going at Bayern. There's a lot of ins now. Conrad Lima's coming as well to that midfield. Grabbing back might go. An awful lot going on at Bayern. It really is. Um, I'm not sure it's a more stable situation as well for Harry Kane. You know, um, obviously Thomas Tuchel, a lot of respect, presuming from Kane. Everyone in England respects him. So it's a fascinating one, Bayern for me. And as you say, Scott, they might with Tuchel now. They've been a bit more front foot. They're going for it. So. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. We need to keep an eye on it because I was we we've said it all we know Bayern have been keen for a long time, and I still think it's a nice fit for him. Just finally on Thomas Tuchel, he's used to kind of swimming in different waters, isn't he? From his time at Chelsea, he had so much money to spend there. Ultimately, lost his job about six weeks after Chelsea had spent all that money, but it was a different ball game, wasn't it? He had these high-profile targets that Chelsea could just go out and get. I think he's still looking at the same calibre of player. It's clear that he is, but maybe Bayern don't have the capacity to do what was on offer to him at Chelsea. That's that's kind of what I was saying. Like, are they, are they barking up the wrong tree there in a sense? Because obviously we know that, but like Toby mentioned just now, their record signing is nowhere near what an English club would be. It's Hernandez. Um, and they've tried to sign other players and inevitably have failed with them. Obviously, there's a, there's a number of weeks left in the transfer window yet, so things could change, but... Declan Rice is the, the player that I wanted to come to. The iron in the fire. He's in the absolute midst of it at the moment, Toby. And he is a player that Bayern have shown interest in, have tried to sign, but it seems like they are very much taking a back back foot because Arsenal and Man City are actually making offers for him. What's the latest? Yeah, Declan Rice is another one that Bayern did want. Thomas Tuchel really likes him, but they were never really going to be in this race because we've known West Ham's valuation for months. Again, 100 million at least is what David Sullivan wants. He's not willing to compromise on that figure. Arsenal have put two bids in for Rice so far, both rejected. Manchester City made a bid on Monday night of worth £90 million for Rice. £80 million in guaranteed money, which is a little bit more than what Arsenal had put forward with £10 million in potential add-ons. Again, swiftly rejected by West Ham, despite the structure of that deal being the money paid in a shorter amount of time. We expect and we know Arsenal are going to come back with a third offer, but they've got to get towards West Ham's valuation. West Ham are seriously unhappy with how things have gone so far. They've made their stance pretty clear to Arsenal, even to Manchester City and the bids that they've had so far. They've kind of been lowballed in a way, but we do expect both Arsenal and City to go back. Rice is Arsenal's primary target. Mikel Arteta gets on with him really well. He's kind of the linchpin, you think, for their transfer plans this summer. City, maybe not so much, but with Ilkay Gundogan going to Barcelona yesterday, that was confirmed. There is another spot in City's midfield, you feel, despite Mateo Kovacic kind of being a done deal from Chelsea. So it's just a waiting game now, I think. We'll probably see at least another couple of bids before this week is out. Sean, is this Man City being just greedy? A little bit. I don't. I really struggle to think why are they pushing so hard for Rice. I don't feel like he's a player who they really need. I think they're quite settled with the defenders they've got, with the midfielders they've got, the way they play that three-two-four-one system. 
for me, yeah, the the big one for me is if they wanted another midfielder like the way that Stones plays, why have they never been linked to Moises Caicedo, who we'll talk about in a bit? Like That's always the one for me. He feels like more of a natural fit than Rice for them. So it's always confused me in a way. Maybe Pep just really likes the intangibles he brings. You know, he's a massive leader. He's a great communicator. Well, well, you say that maybe Declan Rice is the perfect fit for that because when when he broke through, Toby, that, that people thought West Ham, uh, Declan Rice was a centre back, right? Yeah, he, he started at centre back, and then when he went into the into the defensive midfield role, he was kind of just filling a void, and then it was very apparent very quickly that oh, this lad's actually quite good. Um, the entire comparisons have not aged well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's now evolved into a midfielder who's not only one of the best holding midfielders. He's shown glimpses of what he can do in a box-to-box midfield role. Ultimately, that's what City now need to replace because Gundogan showed his class in the final few months of last season. Kovacic can do that, but City have got the resources to be able to just go and get more. And my pure conjecture and speculation over this is that I see Rodri leaving Manchester City in the next couple of years. He's won everything already. I can see him wanting to go back to Spain when he's... 28, 29, and that's where he'll finish his career. And Rice may be in a box-to-box midfield role to begin with, but he's only 24, so give it another couple of years. He could be going into the anchor role if Rodri leaves. Do be a speculation, but Barcelona want to pivot this summer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not going to happen. Graham, City gone in with a, a bid worth what Arsenal's second bid was rejected as. Who's going higher? I don't want to put you on the spot, but I am. Yeah, but City's bid was different in terms of the payment plan as well. It was much better than Arsenal's from what we're we're being told. So it was an improvement, although from the outset it looks very similar values. I think City is fascinating, you know, with Calvin Phillips' situation there. Phillips is a player who West Ham really, really like. I think he's, if not the first option, very, very high on their list to come in and replace Rice. And and even if he didn't go, even if Rice didn't go to City, I think Phillips to West Ham is still very much on the cards. It, it's going to be fascinating. You know, at the end of the day, Declan Rice wants to go to Arsenal. You know, the, we we talk about the buying links. He was never going to Germany. You know, this is a lad who thinking twice about possibly moving to Manchester. He's not going to move to Munich. It, it's it's West. It's Arsenal's to lose. He wants to go there. He's pushing for it, and I still think he ends up at Arsenal purely because of the will of the player. But we'll, uh, but they will have to put the money where the mouth is. West Ham, let's not forget, West Ham don't need to sell this summer. They don't, they don't need to sell. They've got two years on him. So, and and they are making Rice's family clear, and the reps know that if unless they get paid, they won't sell. Can very similar. Sorry, I was just going to say this is very similar to Mason Mount, right? Similar age. He's now into his final twelve months of his deal, and Chelsea is still asking for sixty million upwards for him. So I don't think West Ham are scared to wait. I think that's the overriding feeling here. They are prepared to sell if they get the right money, but they're not going to be bullied by bigger clubs who who do have the capacity to give better offers unless they get what they want. But it's, it's fair to say, right, that obviously West Ham are holding out for 100 mil. It's, do, are we, do we think Arsenal will go there? And at the second question here, if City go higher... Is this a case of, is, is there a number here where, you know, they will accept from Arsenal, but even if City go higher, are they prepared to take a, a fixed sum or are they just going to take the highest bid and reject everything else? We don't know. There's the answer, Scott. We don't know until we get to that point where if Arsenal get to, a, we believe, a hundred, it's 100 million minimum, but that's up front. West Ham want 120. They want 100 plus 20. That's, that's the figure we know that David Sullivan wants at this moment in time. I think if Arsenal get get break that three-figure barrier, which West Ham are frustrated because the indications were from Arsenal just about 10 days to two weeks ago after talks. The indication was from Arsenal they were, they were willing to do that. Arsenal, West Ham were thought that first offer would be £100 million. They thought it would be. They were agitated by the fact it wasn't. It, it, it's only David Sullivan who can answer that question, Scott. I think I think if Arsenal break break a hundred million, I think they've got a chance of getting it. But if City put a bigger bid in, Sullivan's taking a bigger bid. Whether Rice then gets involved, we'll see. 
I think David Sullivan definitely takes the bid that offers West Ham the most money up front because we may say 90 million in guaranteed money, but if that's 90 million spread over five years, it's no re- it's no good really to West Ham to get 18 million now because they need to spend to replace Rice. And if you're going after a Jao Paulinho, for example, or Calvin Phillips, arguably you're going to have to put more money than that up front to have any chance of getting those players. So you can understand West Ham's logic here. They want an overall figure, but they want to see a decent chunk of that now to be able to actually replace Rice. Because bear in mind, they're in the Europa League next year. So it's not as if they can afford to just lose him and not go and get at least one quality replacement in. Yeah, I know Man United are demanding massive money for Scott McTominay. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, we'll see. Uh, Let's stay with West Ham, but move to the Sean Walsh Danger Zone Player of the Week. I'm not actually going to come straight to Sean for this because it's a, it's a West Thank Ham God. player in question. <laughs> but my idea for this is that the danger zone player of the week is essentially a player that is either being held at a club against their will or not being granted a move against their will. This week, Lucas Paqueta, Toby, what is the deal? Yeah, I don't know if we've necessarily got to that stage of being held against his will, but Lucas Paqueta had a really good first season in the end at West Ham, won the Conference League, grabbed the assist for Jared Bowen in the final, but he doesn't really fit into West Ham's setup. I think we saw that over the course of the season. West Ham's negative counter-attacking system wasn't really suitable for what Paqueta offers. Um And look, he's been linked with Newcastle prior to moving to West Ham last year. It's our understanding that there's interest emerging from Paris Saint-Germain. West Ham could have a bit of a battle on here to keep Paqueta this summer if PSG decides to come in. The player recently changed agents, which is not a guarantee that they're looking to engineer a move, but it's never a a good sign, you'd think, from a West Ham perspective, if a player has changed their representatives. One thing to add here is there is no release clause and West Ham clearly would not want to sell. Uh, They've got Declan Rice leaving. The last thing they need is arguably their next best player departing in the same window. But it's certainly one to keep an eye on and the will of the player could determine whether or not something happens this year or next season because West Ham can't lose 20 Premier League games and expect to keep Paqueta long term. That much is clear. Let's move on to Arsenal. We've already mentioned them regarding Declan Rice. Some incomings that are actually there. We've seen Kai Havertz in an Arsenal shirt. I'm not sure whether that was doctored or anything like that, but I, I, that is that move is going to happen and announced at any time soon. We've pretty much had that confirmation. Urian Timber as well, Graham. Arsenal closing in on a deal for a former Man United potentially former Liverpool target. I know Bayern have liked him in the past as well. To me, when this news broke last week, I think it was last week, yeah. and you, you, talk, you talk about it on the pod, it is quite an obvious fit, actually, for what Arsenal are trying to do. Graham, you mentioned about uh, you were surprised United weren't in the mix for this one. We'll talk about United shortly, but Arsenal are close. Yes. Yeah, um, fantastic deal. We if nothing else, the surprise is his terms. You know, he's coming in on less than £150,000 a week. Staggering, really. Yeah, it seems that the Ajax have come down from their asking price, 16 million euros. They've come down to 50. It's nearly there now. This deal is nearly there. And yeah, I think it's a fantastic signing. I think he's a wonderful fit for, for most Premier League clubs. I think he's a wonderful fit for United. We'll, we'll come on to him. It doesn't it surprised me they haven't come in, but given the window United are having, it doesn't surprise me at the same time because I think they're having a shocker of a window so far. And yeah, I think Tim is a great sign. I think he can play right back. He can play that pivot on the right hand side opposite Zinchenko. Sorry, I was going to do it. And yeah, I love him, man. He's great. I think um, physicality. Remember what, two years ago, I first wrote a story, guys, and um, he was described to me then as the Dutch Gallas at the time. And it's like, so it's quite fitting and ironic that he's going to do going to give him number 10. Maybe, but I still because I think Gallas in this modern era would be that right back pivot as well. He'd play that role, he could play that role, but he Timber can play, can play as well if he needs to, right? Yeah, Timber yeah. can play everywhere. He's a great signing, and um, yeah, you know, a lot of these players who you wish your club had signed, Scott. But I imagine as a United fan, this is one who ticks so many boxes for you and for Liverpool as well. I think it'd be a great acquisition for Liverpool. They've got an issue at right back, got an issue at center half, it'd be, and, and for, it's just for the price. 
what do you know what I mean? The price is is fantastic. So well done, Arsenal. Yeah, this deal looks it'll be confirmed in the next few days, along with Kai Havertz. Yep, uh, we may have more for you later this week. But let's let's talk about United now because that's a nice segue. Now we know that United have been interested in him before. They tried to sign Timber last summer, but obviously all the upheaval that was happening meant that it didn't happen. They switched attention to Lisandro Martinez. He got criticised for his height. Tim was actually shorter than him, I believe. But uh, yeah, this time around, I think, Graham, to be honest, the surprise about United not going for him, I think I could probably explain it. They have Dallow and Wan-Bissaka as right-back options. They have Eric Bailly, Victor Lindelof, Harry Maguire, Lisandro Martinez and Rafa Varane as centre-back options. That's a lot of players. Some of them they want to keep. Some of them they want to sell. But United are awful at seven players because they have players who have massive wages. I'll take Harry Maguire as the example there. Difficult to shift. And United in a financial position at the moment where they're overstretched, let's just say, uh, to say the least, means that they probably can't afford to go and buy a player who added to all of those players there. You know, it, it doesn't really make sense. To me, they need to shift players on first before they go and buy uh, and their attention lays in other departments on the pitch. Uh, anything to add to that before we go on to the rest? No, it, it makes sense in a lot of ways. You know, we spoke off pod, didn't we? It's got about Juan Bissaka and Maguire, where, you know, that's £400,000 a week between them two. And when you put it like that, it's a lot of money. It's all very well saying, yeah, let's bring Timber on, but can you afford to have those, some of those guys literally sat in the stands at Old Trafford? You can't. It's good. There's a breaking point, isn't there? And we did a story on this. It might when you were aware that Maguire's reluctance to leave is is hampering things. It hampered the Kim talks as well. So yeah, um, it's it's an issue for United. It's an issue for a lot of clubs, um, especially when players like Wan Bissaka and Maguire are not on Saudi Arabia's radar. It's a bit of an issue. Um, so yeah, but I think yeah, I, I I still think Timber is is one who. You could have done. You should have pushed for. But we'll 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 see. As you said, there's bigger United. Unfortunately for them, have got bigger fish to fry at the moment. Bigger fish to fry in the positions of centre forward. We'll talk about that in a second. Central midfield. I think they even need two in central midfield. But they're, they're after Mason Mount. They've not up their third offer. Let's let's start with Mount because Graham. We did a story yesterday. We've done a ton of stories on Mason Mount on ninety min over the last few weeks. United's last bid totaled 55 million for Mason Mount, including add-ons. Chelsea countered or rejected that offer and countered a total bid of 65 million, 58 plus seven. We did a story yesterday, however, which essentially suggests that Chelsea will take 60 all in and not the 65 they've counted if United come back to the table. And I think that's essentially why Chelsea want face-to-face talks, which has been uh, bandied around a little bit. There's a middle ground there, but United are... Why, why aren't United going back to the table for five million difference? Sorry, I, so I will correct, can, I, can I say one thing, guys? Spurs are saying on their bid for Harry Kane from Bayern Munich, Spurs are denying receiving a bid but if they did, they would reject it. So just put that out there on the pads. That's the official line coming in from Spurs. We're just getting on on Mount. Yeah, yeah it's um, question, Graham. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Mason Mount hates hey, uh, Mason Mount. I mean, they did do a lot about Mason Mount and United. Um, I don't know. You know, I I find it hard. This whole Mason Mount situation. It's tough from my personal point of view. I just don't think he's good enough. I'm frustrated that for United fans' point of view that you're going to pay this much money for Mason Mount. Well, we'll they're not, the... apparently. So, yeah. yeah, but we'll get on to other players. You know. and, and a lot of people have had a go at me. I said this on another show, actually, about United, this window. And I just want to sum up, Scott, why I'm frustrated by United in this window so far. I think United are two or three players away from challenging. However, when I say two or three players, yeah, a centre-forward and a midfielder. When I say that, I don't mean Rasmus Hoyland and Mason Mount. I mean Harry Kane and Frankie de Jong. You know, it's not just any two players. You know, it, it, it really is that simple. You can't just sign a centre forward and a midfielder. There, there you go. No, I don't. No, I don't disagree with what you've said there. I would add the goalkeeper in, uh, but I know that we disagree on 
Yeah, to a certain point, do you know what I mean? I, 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 and I think it's a frustration for me looking at United thing. You, you're that close. Just back Ten Hag, just back him. But anyway, on to Mason Mount. Obviously, he wants him. It is a frustration, Scott. I, I think it will get done. I think I think it'll get done in terms of that United will say we didn't go to 60. Chelsea will say they did. I think the deal will probably get done because the thing with Mount is Chelsea do think that he might come back and Pochettino might work his magic. But there's a lot of bad blood going on behind the scenes between Mount, his father, his representatives, a lot's gone on there at Chelsea. So whilst I think that Mount may go back to training and love working with Poch, who wouldn't? I think it's just too much bad blood gone 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 through there in the background. And uh, I think he's still United bound. United do have to come back to the table or they could just leave their offer on the table and wait for Chelsea to renege on their position a little bit. Uh, we've left Toby and Sean out of the conversation uh, for a few minutes there as Graham and I have rabbited on uh toby this one's gonna get done isn't it yeah i think united should just meet them halfway to be honest i don't think if mount had three years on his contract we wouldn't bat an eyelid at 60 million i know he's got 12 months left so it looks like an inflated fee um on his day i think he's a really really good player he's had hot spells at chelsea um he does blow cold sometimes as well but i just think that was the environment as well that he was in Chelsea can be great or it can be very toxic. And you see a lot of players levels dip um, to extremes and Mount is part of that. But I think Eric Ten Hag knows what he's getting with Mount influenced a little bit from when he was a youngster and he went to Vitesse Arnhem and had a really good loan spell. So Ten Hag saw up close what he could do in the Eredivisie. He's developed his game over the years. He's a favorite of Gareth Southgate and the England setup. United are not going to be getting a bad player here. And I think BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. The sake of $5 million, I'd do it if I was United, but you can obviously point to many missteps in the past with United's transfer business and maybe you can understand why they're not wanting to quote you, overpay. You can even argue anyway that this whole bid is a misstep. So, you know, no, I, I like Mason Mount as a player, but, you know, like, like Graham says there, I think if you, Frankie De Jong is, well, we might talk about him in a second, obviously we have to. Um, but if it was him and Harry Kane coming in, it's a different conversation. But yeah, uh, United are having to make do... Ten Hag does like Mason Mount. United are also interested in Adrian Rabio, Graham, but there is, I suppose, is there expectation that he stays at Juve? Yeah, it looks like um, he's edging towards signing a new one-year deal. I think what a lot of Twitterverse seems to forget is obviously the, the dislike probably what everyone on social media seems to. He had a very good season last year. Under Allegri, and I think Allegri's worked very hard on this. He's made personal phone calls to him. He's persuaded him to stay for another year, saying, "Give us another year. Let's see where we can go." But it is a bit of a blow to United. They wanted him, you know. United have made him an offer, you know. As we talked about as well, Scott, you know, he wasn't he wasn't going to reject Juve just for the sake to have talks with United. There was something there. There was something there for him to to look at. And yeah, it's fascinating. And, and I guess in Rabiot's situation, it's just better the devil, you know. He's gonna he, he had a really good season at Juve. He can go into the Euros next summer, frightening that that's next summer. They can go into the Euros in good form. And yeah, I've, the more I thought about this, I think it is a blow at United because I think Rabiot would have been a great pickup on the three. I really do. Sean, obviously, we know that 90 mins Jack Gallagher has gone from giving Rabiot not applicable player ratings to 
being upset of the potential of him leaving. Rabiot, though, is probably better off. You know, United are looking at Mason Mount at Rabiot, but to me, they need they need a Casemiro replacement, and neither of these players are that. So, does that fit make sense, or is Juventus the best place to stay for him? Yeah, I feel like weirdly Juve feel a bit more stable right now because you were, you were mentioning it um, a few minutes ago. Um, the state of United's window so far, the takeover rumbling on. I think there is real potential for United to start next season. And things are a little bit wobbly. And as Graham said, you know, Rabio would want to go into the Euros next summer in the form that he was in this season. If he can continue that at Juve, if he can continue being the main guy there, then that makes a bit more sense. If he goes to United and all of a sudden, you know, maybe United do get another midfielder in this window as well. Maybe he just loses form. Maybe he gets an injury, something like that. It's a completely different story. And yeah, I, th- I think I think as well, like obviously on a free, good deal. But I do think United probably can, if they want Mount, if Ten Hag really, really wants Mount, that's the guy that they should be after. That's they should push that over the line. Well, Te- Ten Hag really wants Frankie De Jong. I suppose let's just <laughs> let's just put this in, Graham, because <laughs> uh, there were suggestions uh, from on the Twitterverse yesterday that Frankie De Jong and Barcelona might not be the romantic match that it has always been deemed to be. Uh, we know that Barcelona have financial trouble. Frankie de Jong had a great season with Barcelona last year under Xavi. They won the league. He did lose at Old Trafford. But they have... It, he seems to work in that system. But Barca are looking for a replacement for Sergio Busquets. They have financial difficulties. Let's just say is this, this is never going to be off the table, really, is it? It's not, and and they do. They are looking for players that can move on, and and this this is situation. You got like Sir Frank Kessie, and Sue Fatty, but he, they don't want to leave. It's a similar situation to United. You can't you can't force Maguire out. They can't force Ansu Fatty out. They can't force Frank Kessie out. De Jong is one of those players who I, I'd argue he's probably Barcelona's most sellable asset. He really is, and. And we said this before, Barcelona can sell De Jong and not miss him. That's not to disregard the player in any way, shape or form. But this is a team who've got, who can have a starting three of Gundogan, Gavi and Pedri. <laughs> it's, 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 it's one of the best midfields in the world. And then they've still got De Jong there. They still want to sign another pivot. But looking at um, Danny Parejo, Zubamendi, the, the Brozovic, if he doesn't go to, to Saudi, they are looking for this other player. So De Jong must be looking at this and wondering. It's. I, I think he's there. I, I think he's available. United, they haven't made that push this summer. Obviously, they've got other things, you know, looking at strikers and, and, and lesser midfielders. But if I was United, I'd be doing everything I could to go and get Frankie De Jong. He, he's a difference maker. He improves United. Mason Mount doesn't improve United. He's, as I said, he's no better than Christian Eriksen is right now. He doesn't improve. He improves the squad. He doesn't improve the eleven though. Bring De Jong in, he improves that starting eleven, which is what I think United are at a stage now where you do need to improve that starting eleven. And as I, I love De Jong, I think he's great, and I'd love to see him in the Premier League. And for me, United should be. But we're talking about this guy, aren't we? Because Thomas Tuchel recognizes and Bayern being proactive, they recognize the fact that De Jong could be available. So that's where this is stemming from. Bayern are making a move here. They do like him. We do have a piece coming out on this, uh, detailing it more. So check nightmin.com forward slash talking transfers for that. Yeah, I was going to mention there that Bayern have in their trying to sign Premier League targets under Thomas Tuchel, who nearly had Frankie de Jong at Chelsea last year as well. You know, uh, they have they've approached Barcelona because they want a midfielder. They would like to know of his availability. They've checked on it, but We'll see. This one's going to run on, but hasn't think... been a straight. No, it wasn't a straight north for Bayern as well. They seem to have got some flex back from Barca and Kimmich as well. Kimmich isn't done yet. We talk about City and Rice. The Kimmich situation still isn't over yet. So there's a reason I think Bayern are looking at someone like Dion. <sighs> lots, to, lots on Man United here. Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, I'm coming back and just forcing these United stories in. Rasmus Hoyland, uh, United's pursuit of him boosted after Atalanta have targeted a replacement in El Bilal Torre. We're going to skip past that one because we're just going to run out of time. But United are in the mix for that, and that one's not dead yet either. Whether Rasmus Hoyland is the right fit and can push United to a, 
The title charge is anyone's guess. And I think, well, most people would say we don't think so. I wanted to get to the goalkeepers, though, because I want to bring Sean back in. Uh, David De Gea is out of contract this week. United are... I heard you guys last week talking about how David De Gea's contract situation was a poor reflection on United. I just wanted to come back and say, I think David De Gea should be released from his contract because if they have any ambition of challenging for the title, they need a player who can pass. But that wasn't the plan. That that was never the plan, Scott. That's the problem. That was never the plan for United. Eric Ten Hag said months and months ago, you know, I've always Does said it one thing to you, Graham, that that could be him being polite and not wanting to upset the goalkeeper. I think <laughs> not, not the fact that he's done, he's done it so consecutively, convincingly. I've, I've been to Ayrton, I've seen Ayrton having press conferences, spoken to him. He doesn't say anything that he doesn't want out there. He could have straight, he's straight back plenty of occasions. We've seen Maguire, he's straight back a few of those. I think I just think that Ten Hag saw it as the keeper situation was one that needs to be resolved in the long term, but just not in the short term. I think, as we know, if you have got a limited budget, you shouldn't be spending a quarter to half of it on a goalkeeper. I just well, think it's not for me. I, I look at it and I think that there are six at least positions that United need to strengthen. And while they might have priorities on some positions, the situation is quite fluid. And if it comes to it where David De Gea doesn't want to be a rotation choice or sitting on the bench because they do want to sign a new goalkeeper, then maybe it's best that he leaves. Anyway, uh, we'll we'll do more on that. That that situation that situation is going to develop this week because he's out of contract on June thirtieth, which is Friday. Obviously, the deal he could stay, he could sign a new deal in two three weeks' time. We never know, but we'll come back to it. Let's talk about Spurs goalkeepers because there's a new choice for their first choice, Sean, and. My question to you is, are you sad that it's not David Raya? I'm utterly devastated, honestly. <laughs> um, you know, I was saying on last week's pod, I wanted to will that into existence. It looked like it was going to happen. And then there's a real impasse that Spurs did not want to meet Brentford's 40 mil fee. The bees weren't budging. I don't blame them. Um, Spurs, to their credit, did move on very quickly. Um, Guglielmo Vicario of Empoli, um, very much seen as the second best goalkeeper in Italy last season after Mike Magnon. Um, everyone that I've spoken to as a big Serie A fan says that this is a bit of a steal. 20 mil is going to be for him. Um, he might be announced as Spurs player by the time this pod's up. I'm I'm happy that Spurs at least do have other targets. They've moved quickly with this. They've kind of said, if Brentford aren't going to budge, then it's fine. We'll go get someone else. Um, I don't have an opinion on him whatsoever. I haven't seen enough of him. I do remember watching a game where he made that um, phenomenal triple save against Roma. That really impressed me, but one game, one moment. Um, but yeah, devastated that it's not rare, really. Um, but there's been, it's been an interesting thing in the Spurs fan base this week because um, it was the move for Vicario, who, as we said, Graham, you know, he was looked at by a lot of clubs, particularly in Italy, but also by Brighton and Man United. And Spurs thought, and Spurs fans thought that this was a sign that, oh, they're being a bit more like a Brighton. They're going after these lesser-known guys. They're moving on. They're using data, all this stuff. And then it comes out yesterday, there was a report from Alistair Gold at Football London that Fabio Paratici is still working with Spurs on a consultancy basis. And it's kind of flipped that the view of this transfer back over. So um, not really too sure how to feel about it. I'm glad that we're getting a new goalkeeper, I think, is the bottom line. It, it turned, I've, I've had assurances that it's not going to be like the Gleaney deal from two years ago. I think it's a huge risk. I think it's a massive, massive risk. Hmm. Um, he's... There's a when you what is he 27, Sean? Yeah, 27. And there's a reason he's playing for Empoli at 27, in my eyes. Uh, he's had a good season. I think it's a huge, huge gamble. I do. Um, you should have gone and got David Rea. And unfortunately, Sean, I think we're going to be talking in Christmas time, further regretting not doing Rea. Um, mm. I think it's a huge gamble. I really do. I think Spurs need solidity at the back. They need somewhat a firm Premier League goalkeeper. And you, you've signed, you're signing one. I'd we just don't know if he is Premier League quality. I think it's a huge gamble. Can I just say, though, kudos to you, Sean, for getting his name right, because that is not an easy one to spell, let alone say, and the fact that you nailed that first time is very it's been a few Can you say it again, Sean? Sean? Do you remember, this comes back from, I think it was either This Is Football or Pro Evo back in the day. Do you remember Gulli? Yes, and it was <laughs> never said right on the game. Gulli right? <laughs> Uh, and he was he was his, his name was Gully. He played for Milan and Inter, I believe, and some other clubs in Italy. 
but yeah, that's kind of when I when I heard last week. That is the uh, the name that I thought of. But Sean, we'll come to James Madison in a second. Question first: Are you thrilled with uh, Postacoglu's new coaching staff? Oh yeah, Millie Edenak, the best beard in football. Get him in straight in. Um, I actually am glad that Ryan Mason's staying because uh, there was. This is like I'm giving you the peek behind the Spurs Twitter curtain here, but there was a real kind of it was almost like a civil war about oh should Mason stay? Should he have ambition to go? And it's like he's still about 18 years old. He doesn't need to go and be a manager straight away. He can do some more <laughs> learning than a coach that's not Conte, Mourinho, or Nuno first. You know, so actually I'm quite pleased about the formation of his coaching staff. All right then, James Madison, give us the latest, Sean. Yes, so um, as reported last month, Graham, or earlier this month, Ange Postacoglu really wants Madison as a creative midfielder type. I think he's perfect for the way that he uses central midfielders and the way that they can kind of shift onto the wing. I think he is the perfect guy to fill that void. I think he's the great long overdue replacement for Christian Eriksen. Um, even when Christian Eriksen was here, we never even had a backup. So this is um, our first creative midfielder signing of that mould since 2013 really long overdue and it does seem Graham that Leicester might be starting to budge a little yeah we're we're hearing that vibe Sean aren't we that um, they're wanting 60 at one point I think it's going to be closer to 50 obviously the risk is then does it bring Newcastle back into the equation but we've always been the last few weeks we've we've always believed that Tottenham were leading the race and it still seems that way Uh, for some reason not sure what Newcastle have not not soured on it, but they haven't pushed forward with the talks so thus far. So yeah, it's it's there for Tottenham to do, and um, it looks to be getting closer from what we're hearing. Hmm. Yeah, that was my next question. Actually, why aren't Newcastle in the mix? Because <laughs> uh, it does make it doesn't make a lot of sense really for this to to happen. They can offer Champions League football to play the bid fifty million for last yeah. this time last year. Uh, it's 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 a player they've always liked, player they really want. Uh, number ten has been. You know, a massive part of their plans. Obviously, they wanted that holding midfield and they're getting Tonali next to Bruno. Adding a number 10 was always something they wanted to do. Whether they've switched targets to someone like a Zobersly, who they like as well, but he, he'd be more expensive, Madison, so that doesn't make any sense either. So, um, interesting. I, I think it might be, it wouldn't rule out another few twists and turns yet, but I think Spurs are getting quietly confident Madison's getting close. Does that one excite you, Sean? A little bit. Um, oh, very. It's it's very, it's, very, it's always because it, it felt kind of inevitable, like that Madison would end up at Spurs. It doesn't feel as if it was like a proper exciting one. Like for me, the personal exciting one was the rare one because I did rule into existence. So, um, do you worry, Sean? That do you worry that there's nothing a lot of Newcastle fans have thought as well? What? Why is it Tottenham and Newcastle going for Madison? Why? Why is there no? Why, why is there no one else? I think there are understandable risks in that. Um, little bit injury prone, not like overly. It doesn't stuff like major injuries. But he has like kind of niggles here and there. I personally was put off quite a bit by because he gave it was giving it all year about how Leicester would be fine and Leicester in the end weren't fine. And then I know he put up impressive numbers across the season and he's worked his way back to the England squad. But it did feel to me like a player of that quality. Why isn't he doing more to help them stop getting relegated? It wasn't as if it's not like as if it was like a high points total to reach either. It was low thirties. Good, good players can be relegated. Sean. I'm saying Janine, one of the great, greatest players in history, got relegated. With <laughs> it, is, it is possible. Just to add, I think Madison Spurs great fit, as you said, Sean. They haven't had a Christian Eriksen caliber type player for a number of years. Mm. I've said your midfield lacks creativity for as long as I can remember. Uh, no. And he can play number ten. He can play off the left-hand side. It does depend on what the system's going to be, but I would argue that Leicester's main downfall last year was the fact that Jamie Vardy stopped scoring and they didn't have suitable replacements. Ianacho and Daka just not good enough. And I think if there is additional resources at King Power, Harvey Barnes was the other standout player, but you can't have two players carrying the entire team. Um, so I think Madison will do a really good job for Spurs. I think he's a, a good signing, and particularly for this price. Did anybody think that Madison, when he eventually left, would be under fifty million? I very much doubt it. Um, Did anyone think Leicester would be relegated? <laughs> also <laughs> true. Also true. <laughs> That's the kind of question. One other thing. Uh, it's just occurred to me: Are Spurs, knowing all of the bad press that they've had last year, Paratici? everything, Mourinho, Conte, awful press conferences. 
Are Spurs trying to get good interview people into their club? Postacoglu, James <laughs> Madison has been widely praised for how, how frankly he speaks and how, how well he speaks. Is that their transfer strategy? I would say it'd be a welcome breath of fresh air because I'm I'm done not really enjoying <laughs> this, anything that the club or the players managers put out for the last three, four or five years. Have Spurs found another player willing to front up in front of the cameras after they lose? So we don't. Have oh, to see perfect! Eric. He's great. For that. He's a great see... experience last year. Exactly. We don't have to see Eric Dyer and Ben Davis looking as glum as can be. Madison can take some of the pressure off them. <laughs> right, Newcastle. Sandro Tonali, we've already mentioned. Tino Livramento, two deals. We look. It looks like they will do. Uh, anything to add there, Graham? Livramento is far from being done. You know, they went in at twelve. Samson want thirty for him. They also okay, talked about Carl Walker Peters. They want a fullback. Newcastle want a fullback now who can play both sides. So, you know, if if they end up getting Walker Peters, I think it's probably more expensive than Livermento, which is why they've gone for Livermento in the end. They also spoke about Bella Koch up. Um, but yeah, a fullback and centre half, as we know, uh, high up on Newcastle's list too. They've also asked about the Palace duo, Mark Gay and Joachim Anderson, both very different price categories. So we'll see where Newcastle's spending power lies. If they've got a lot of money, they might go for Mark Gay. Less so, Joachim We did not lie to you at the start. We're 48 minutes in and we haven't even got to Chelsea yet. Uh, so there is a lot on the agenda. Let's move to Chelsea. Now the clear out is in full swing. We've already... I thought that, that was just because you were upset, Scott, that we managed to get all these players off the... Uh, that was one of your favourite topics, wasn't it? Laughing at their size. Their I, squad like, to to me, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, fair play. Fair play to them. If they found a way... Todd you know? Burley rocks. Todd Burley rocks. He does, but they did finish 12th in his first season. So, you know, let's, let's wait and see. Um, but no, obviously this was a thing that Chelsea needed to do. I was largely critical of the fact that they had 45 players. They are now starting to shift some of those players out. Mason Mount, we've already talked about. Whether that happens remains to be seen. Ruben Loftus-Cheek to Milan. Graham, I'm going to fire players at you. Um, mm-hmm. Ruben Loftus-Cheek to Milan. Where are we? Yeah, that, that one is a strange deal. That one was getting close to being done in May and it was sold by um, Paolo Maldini. Um, he got fired, the deal stalled. And then Milan, because they're losing Tonali, they've suddenly looked at the options and thought, you know what, let's go back for Loftus-Cheek. We liked him all along. And that deal's getting done. Um, it's it's ne- nearly there. Uh, I can't remember the fee. Toby can remember the fee. It was about 20 million in the end. 20 million, 20, 20 million euros. euros. Um, year left. Um, I know that Loftus-Cheek spoke to Tamuri about it. Um, and, it's a, and it's a good deal. Um, at the money for Milan. And it's another huge wage off the Chelsea wage bill. Um, they're well on the... So I've got to be careful. There might be left with no players if you carry on like this way at Chelsea. I mean, but yeah. That's impossible, Graham. Yeah, um, it's a good deal. I think good deal for everyone all around. I like that. I'd like to see lots of cheek in Syria. I think he suits Syria. Quite like him there. Hakim Ziyech, Al Nasser. That is Ronaldo's team. Done. done. Yeah, Nearly. that's done. Yes. Yeah, sorry. May I call it? Because Al Nasser, apparently, going second for Fana now as well. So, yeah, Al Nasser, that is done. Uh, one of the number Chelsea uh, deals is already done. Koulibaly, also done. Al Hilal. Yep. Okay. Yes, good. signed and sealed, yes, and and they're making and they're making profit. The thing is with these deals as well, they're not losing money. They're getting the entire wage bills off as well, which is massive for Chelsea because he Bally was on huge money at Chelsea and getting his entire wage bill off. Remarkable business. They've got to be edging close to almost a million pound in wages a week, oh, just yeah. for those players that have gone to Saudi. Yeah. Gone to Let alone the others. Well. But... Oh no, the one the ones who got to Saudi TC. You're looking at probably two like. Not even counting Kante. So, yeah, more than that, Toby, more than that. As Pilicueta is going as well. You know, like, yeah. All of these players, uh, we've mentioned Havertz, Edward Mendy to Al Ahli. That mm-hmm. is essentially done as well. And he's going to be joined by someone who used to play in the Premier League as well. Who is it, Graham? Yeah, we understand Roberto Firmino. Bobby is going over there. He's Al Ahli's big name capture. Firmino, so really interesting that he's going there. Um, all four piss clubs really doing good business. I think I, I regarded, I don't know the situation over there in Saudi too well, but I, I thought Ali, Ali was seen as, to me, the poor relations, because they weren't really getting any players, but it's good to see they're getting Firmino, Edouard Mendy is on board, and yeah, more the more, more, more players are going, but yeah, and but one player who won't be joining Firmino, we're told, Scott, is Sadio Mane. They have tried, but he's 
not going to Saudi Arabian Pro League. He's he's heading back to Bayern. I wouldn't rule out a move, but he's definitely not heading to Saudi this summer. One player moving into Chelsea, Nick Jackson, Nicholas Jackson. That is. Where are we with that? Is that that's done? It's done. Yeah, the two not clubs are just yet, as we speak, the, but done. The, he had a release clause, but Chelsea have negotiated a slightly higher fee, so they can pay in instalments for him. But that will, I think, the one knock-on fact for Jackson, it will mean Armando Brogia will be leaving the club um, this summer. Please, can we find the podcast last year where I said, "Why has he signed a six-year contract extension at Chelsea? He's it was never quite going short to play." Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Just mental. Well, Graham, do you remember when Jackson nearly went to Bournemouth? What was the issue around that? Because he failed a medical, right? It was a it, knee issue, wasn't it? It was. I think it was back or hamstring. Sean, yeah, so he he'd agreed to deal. You know, he'd agreed to mm. go, and we were pursu- We know Aston Villa had an interest in Bournemouth again. It's it's a strange one in terms of Chelsea, but as I said, I think I said last week, where if he if he's a backup to a number nine, again, and I, I, I criticise my United for it and criticise Chelsea for it, don't overthink it. Just go out and sign Osimhenov Lavic, and Jackson's a lovely backup to that. If they start the season with Jackson as a number nine, then you'll probably finish twelfth again. Mm-hmm. I was going to say it's around ten years ago that. Um, Look, Remy moved to Chelsea about a week after he failed the medical at Liverpool. So he came in as a backup and he was fine. So nice little comparison there. Yeah. Can yeah, I but he's, ask... he's all good now. He's all good now, apparently. Can I just ask you if, if Chelsea are shifting Mount, and like I, I could be completely wrong here, if they're shifting Mount, Broger's potentially going. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot they're not in Europe, uh, obviously. So I'm just talking about the, home, the homegrown status of, of all these players. Is this not something they need to be thinking about? Does somebody have better intel than me off the top well, of their head? You still got other players account like Sterling still technically counts as a homegrown English player. They don't necessarily have to come through their own club. They've got Reese James. A lot. I think Chelsea would argue back that allows allows likes of Lewis Hall and others to come through uh, under Poch. You know, there's youth players who we don't know about yet. He'll be coming through. I think it opens up those avenues as well because even with all these players going out, you know, a goalkeeper. Possibly a centre half, but a goalkeeper, midfield, and striker—they're the main three that Chelsea are bringing. Not, I don't think they're bringing like five or six in. That's the only thing Chelsea might have to do, Florent, is that Lewis Hall, Chukwemeka, they might not have registered them in their twenty-five player squads ordinarily because they're under twenty-one, but they might have to just mm. to comply with the amount of homegrown players. So they probably need to get what ten, twelve players out the door to have a manageable squad and. Weirdly, it now looks like they're well, the well, the well on the way. Yeah, they're well on the way. Even more than that, though, Poch likes to work with smaller teams, and they don't have Europe. Well, it's a so, few more ago. Gallagher's probably going. Or lost his cheeks. Not another homegrown home player. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's plenty. It's plenty there. Um, we'll say Levi Colwell is definitely staying, though. Confirm, oh, guys. Brighton keep Brighton keep trying, but Levi Colwell is is staying. So there's a even after that tweet you get made at the end of the season. Yeah. Oh, Levi Colwell. <laughs> is happy to stay, but only if he's getting first-team football. He's told that to Chelsea. He said, if I'm not playing, sell me to Brighton. He has said that to them. So, you know, this it can only point to the fact that he's going to be involved. But Chile isn't going to be fit for the start of the season. There is room for Colwiller. Uh Let's just quickly do Moises Caicedo. There's been some speculation that United want him as they've moved on from Mason Mount over the last few days. They have not a lot of budget to spend and Caicedo is... And West Ham, uh, Brighton want West Ham, Declan Rice kind of money for Moises Caicedo. So how is this one going to work? And are Chelsea still in the mix and leading this race, Graham? Yes, they are. They're very much leading the chase. There are others in there. Um, I wouldn't even rule last now. If Rice didn't happen, um, they've always liked him. But yeah, Chelsea are pretty confident about doing this. But yeah, Brighton are waiting. They, they do want Declan Rice money, this player. And as I've always said, I don't think that's beyond the realms of fantasy. I love Caicedo. He's great. It's that one thing at Chelsea, isn't it? Now they do, they almost have a lack of experience in there now with Kovacic leaving as well. But yeah, um, we're expecting Chelsea to really push on with this one in the next week or so, Scott. But yeah, um, very much in poor position for him. Sean, Toby, anything to add before I wrap up the show with Kylian Mbappe and the latest with Graham? I was about to Nothing count the amount of players Chelsea were selling, but honestly, I think it's beyond my comprehension. Could be 15. You have until the you have until the next show to to put all these players down on a list. I'll come back to you. Yeah, okay, great. Uh, keep an eye out for that one. Our next show might have to be this week. We'll see. Uh, but yes, Graham, Kylian Mbappe. What is the latest? 
Yeah, um, seems so much has happened since he told PSG he wasn't signing his new deal. There was, there's t- we understand talks have taken place over the last few days between Nasser Al Khalifi and Faisal Lamari, Mbappe's mother and agent. PSG putting down their stance that they won't let him leave for free. They do not want him to go for free. So unless he signs his new contract, which we know he's not going to do, they're going to sell him. Reporting fans suggesting that 200 million euros might do it, whether Real Madrid are willing to do that. So, yeah, um, as it stands, PSG are determined to sell Mbappe this summer. And if they do, it'll have a marked impact on that number nine market we keep talking about. Because, you know, if it, Real Madrid still wants him, they still like him. It's just the amount of money that PSG asks for. If PSG wants him out, they may have to come down from that. But I could see this getting done at 150 million euros. I really could just about to add to that i could see that happening this mm. but let's uh that, that's actually it i've come to the end of the running order um wow. and who knows uh, what i would add to that scott is there are people suggesting and it's not beyond the realms of fantasy if this united takeover happens if the qataris come in i've been saying that for seven months and there's been a protest that the the, the, the fans at, today at the kit launch had the mega store closed so uh the the protests have been Protesting about what? What are they protesting about at the minute, Scott? Get the bloody sale done, is what they're protesting. Is, is it now? Is it, is it to anyone? Anyone but the, is it to the one the Qatar? Is Qatari the fan favorite takeover, Scott? It's still a, it's still a split in the, you know, you have to, you can ask 10 Man United fans, they'll give a different answer, is what I would right. say. And uh, we await some developments on that. Uh, but Maybe we'll have some more news by Friday if we're back on Friday. Don't count on it about the Man United takeover, but there will certainly be other stuff to talk about. This has been Talking Transfers. Please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at Toby underscore Cudworth, at Graham Bailey and at Sean DZ Walsh. 90min.com forward slash Talking Transfers for all the latest on the website regarding... Uh, stories we've discussed or stories that we have not discussed on this podcast about transfers. Also visit 90min.com for all the latest from the team. Also visit 90min underscore football on all the socials for all of the latest. And uh, we'll be back very soon. This has been a bumper edition of Talking Transfers. We've managed to keep it under an hour. If you're clocking along, we've just passed 59 minutes and I will try and wrap it by 60. But Big thanks. Graham, Toby, Sean, we'll be back very soon for another Talking Transfers. Until next time, be well, everyone. Thanks for listening.